Welcome to the latest edition of the What's Next with Gen X podcast. This week, I'm switching it up a bit. I was invited to the 2017 Hashtag Sports Conference in Times Square. It was really cool and inspirational. I learned a lot about where the industry is going, and I highly recommend you go if you get a chance. While I was there, I was able to interview multiple athletes, including Russell Akun. In case you don't know, he is a huge tech nerd and entrepreneur, and I say that with nothing but love. The Chargers left tackle talked about how fatigue monitoring technology will change how people think about resting. If you don't remember, that was a huge topic in the NBA earlier this year. How his foundation is empowering disadvantaged youth to enter the tech industry and why he didn't need an agent to negotiate his past two deals. For those who don't know, the one he just signed with LA makes him one of the highest paid left tackles in the league. And you're not going to want to miss what Okun had to say about blocking for the trash-talking Philip Rivers. Enjoy my conversation with Super Bowl champ and pro bowler Russell Okun. Talking with Russell Okun at the Hashtag Sports Conference. Russell, why don't you fill everyone in on what you're talking about today? Yeah, yeah, the Hashtag Sports Conference is pretty much like this convergent space of like sports, technology, media, where people are really trying to figure out like what, are the, tr- what the trends are, uh, where sports are going, the fan experience, engagement. And uh, today, uh, we're, I'm going to be on a panel today talking about just the, the One Team Collective, which is like the uh, venture arm, so to speak, of the NFLPA. And it's uh, something that we would like to work with a lot of technology companies uh, and just uh, helping them out and seeing if the brand or the brands can uh, coexist with one another. And what are some of those companies? Because, you know, I, th- I feel like we hear the word tech, and I think we have a good idea of what it means, and even sports tech, but it's still so broad. So what are some of those companies? Yeah, yeah, sports tech's like really just like this loose sort of like <laughs> phrase everybody kind of says. And You sound really smart when you, you yeah, throw yeah. it out there, right? <laughs> it, it's weird. It's weird because like, you know, for instance, like, you know, maybe we we struggle partnership with Whoop, which is like this a wearable device that like, you know, but it's like more sort of like like quantifiable uh, data, and which it pretty much derives like this recovery score off of like mm-hmm. uh, your heart rate variability. So like it takes in variables such as sleep, uh, your heartbeat, all these sort of different measures that kind of come together. Uh, and uh, I I love the deal. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be great. Just uh, it's the first time ever that players. Have been will be get a chance to actually sell their data, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Something we never been able to do before. What would it be an advantage to that? Because it's it's funny. A few days earlier, David Stern was talking about you know on the whole topic of whether or not teams should rest players. He actually pointed to some of this wearable technology and said that you know that's where the answer lies. What's the advantage to the wearable technology? Yeah, a lot. It, of, you know, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. You know, I, you know, for a guy who, you know, in my earlier in my injury had a lot of just like, in my career had a lot of like, soft tissue injuries and, mm-hmm. this, you know, because I would overtrain, you know, and like I would never know how much I'm overtraining if I'm getting enough sleep and, you know, and like I just needed better indicators to tell me like what I can mm-hmm. and cannot do, you know. So uh, historically, there's just been like tons of raw data through mm-hmm. all these different technologies, and you know, you're trying to figure out how it works works together and like. I just wanted to figure out a way that it could be ap- applicable, mm-hmm. um, and like Whoop's been able to do that for me because now I can be like, if I get in like this a lower score, which you know it's 
it's a measure from oh, like so 1 to 100. Oh, so it compiles a bunch. Yeah, it and, compiles a bunch okay. of data. So maybe not necessarily just my low data, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think it's it's a good first step uh, forward to figuring out, okay, am I sleeping enough? Like, am I overtraining? Am I training too hard? Am I pushing myself enough? Or is it that I'm really, I need a little bit more rest? Right, and it gives me some assessments. You know, I, I need feedback. I mm-hmm. want to know what's kind of going on with me. And like, if this technology can do it, great. Mm-hmm. Now, where do you think your passion for tech first began? Oh, man. Uh, well, I remember, like, uh, my mom was, like, this huge entrepreneur. And okay. she, like, turned our garage into an office. And, like, oh, it was the first amazing. time, like, I had ever seen a computer. And, like, I was playing with, like, MS-DOS. And, like, would take apart the computer all the time and, like, put it back together. It was, <laughs> I'm it was, sure like, she loved that. No, no, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, so that was one time. And Why then, are like, all my files deleted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we... We did that and then, like, went to Seattle. And Seattle just, like, this huge tech ecosystem. Right, right. And I was really just exposed to just, like, a whole different world of innovation and entrepreneurship. And I was like, yeah, i got to be a part of this. And when you – how do you define entrepreneurship and what it means to you? Because I think, again, another term people throw around loosely. So what does it mean to you? Yeah, uh, I guess even tech and entrepreneurship is a weird mm-hmm. thing now, right? Because, like – Tech literally touches every facet of our society and our in our right. economy. Right. And as we're making a shift into like the innovation economy and like what they're calling like the fourth industrial revolution, uh, you know, there are a lot of businesses that have come up, people who wanna solve issues, they wanna solve problems because these are problems to them, product mm-hmm. problems to their productivity and and just to be quaint, people wanna do things faster. They right. wanna do things differently. And um, I guess entrepreneurship is just that, you know, is uh having a vision, having a goal, and the ability to execute it. And how are you able to balance kind of this passion for tech entrepreneurship? And, I mean, you're killing it. Um, it you're your own agent. No, no, I'm not killing it at all. <laughs> it's a long way to go. Yeah, you're, you're, well, you know, you're a Super Bowl champ, you know, pro bowler, not too bad. Um, you're your own agent, and we'll get to all that. But how do you balance, you know, what does that balance mean to you to kind of have your on-the-field, you know, career and your off-the-field career? Yeah, it's. I was listening to, a, I don't know if it's a podcast or like a, a YouTube video, mm-hmm. and they talked about like work-life harmony, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people refer to this as work-life, work-life balance, but like mm-hmm. they, they're both sort of, it's really like, it's really seamless, you know, like there's, it's really interwoven, you know, mm-hmm. with one another. And I I, my family keeps me in check, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I want my family to be happy. But I also have my goals and my ambitions that I'm working toward as well. And uh, I think uh, really learning to prioritize and learning energy management. You know, mm-hmm. where am I putting my time? Where am I putting my mm-hmm. resources? Because that's where my heart will be, you know. And uh, once I started figuring that out, I was able to allot time to certain things that mattered the most. And uh, it's so far I'm, I'm working on it. It's, uh, ho- hopefully it's going well. And one thing that's obviously important to you is kind of sharing your love of tech and you have an organization, the greater organization, am I correct? Yeah, greater foundation. Greater foundation, thank you. And why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you guys do? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't know what Silicon Valley was. Mm-hmm. I grew up. I when people tell me what Silicon Valley, another it, term like, people just throw right, around. Right, right. Like it's if you're like, not in the tech industry, right, right. I'm like, like I've never heard of Silicon Valley. I didn't know that this was tech. I used to mm-hmm. think tech was just like a bunch of nerds just sitting in some back office. And, <laughs> and I kind just, of what we're doing right now. Right, on we're the like podcast. sitting in this <laughs> cold back office, like <laughs> in Times Square, you know. But uh, you know, I went to Seattle and. 
I just remember that like it's almost euphoric feeling of like seeing entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. seeing tech and like what it meant to our world and what it was going to do in our world. And I was like, man, I'm so fortunate. And I really wanted to, Greater Foundation is sort of the recreation of that process for people, mm-hmm. uh, minorities, people of color, mm-hmm. people who wouldn't necessarily have the opportunities that, I, that I've been really fortunate to have. And uh, we do tons of things. You know, we're helping people get into tech jobs. We're, we're doing work with schools. Uh, we have amazing partners uh, that are that really believe that you know the children are our future, you know, mm-hmm. and they believe in volunteering their time and their talents to see people uh, move forward and have opportunities opportunities that they wouldn't have. So shout out to the team. Thank you guys <laughs> so much for working so hard, and our executive director and, and uh, our CEO uh, Andrew McGee. Yeah, and he, you played with him at Oklahoma State. Yeah. So how did that come about? What were you guys talking about? How did this kind of like idea spring up? What well, and, and it's it's crazy because uh, you know him and I we were mentored by like one of our strength coaches and our strength mm-hmm. coaches was just a man who believed in us and wanted to see us like fully reach the potential of who we mm-hmm. could be and uh, someone he, you can tell about Whoop right right yeah, right, yeah. right right you know he just was like you guys <laughs> who, have who is the strength coach his name is Joel Tedman okay you know, so shout out like, to Joel yeah shout out to Joel I didn't like him at first but then like, later on like we <laughs> isn't that really always cool. the love hate right, relationship right. with the trainer like or this strength push coach. and pull you know but <laughs> yeah, like that's what Ingrid has manifested from that. Like mm-hmm. we've le- we're leveraging the sports platform in order to bring about social change. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I think we're really good at it. And uh, we're even athletes are coding, athletes are getting into tech. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we want to do and what we're passionate about. And I was reading a little bit more about your foundation and some. Um, there's a program in which kids kind of can like shadow a startup, mm-hmm. um, and you have a partnership, I think, with Amazon Alexa and Lego. Can you, you know, kind of give an example of like um, a time when s- someone from that program was really successful? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got t- tons of stuff. So, like, I guess I can. There's this one uh, that kind of came up. We were working with this cool called uh, Seattle Urban Academy mm-hmm. in Seattle, and these kids are like are from the roughest backgrounds, you know. So it's an alternative school. And what we did was like, hey, like, we want to teach these kids about entrepreneurship and tech. And mm-hmm. immediately they're turned off, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to be involved. But, like, when we empower them and gave them the tools to just say, like, hey, create. Right. Like, what's something that matters to you? Or what is some cool app or whatever whatever you right. want to do, People right? People don't realize it can be apps. And then also giving people the ability to create, they feel ownership. Exactly. And that's, and that's one of the themes of just our organization is, is about ownership and empowerment. You know, mm-hmm. so we put these tools in these kids' hands and we're like, hey, we're working with the Alexa uh, and, like, think of whatever you want to. But, like, think of this business plan, put it together, put your team together, and you present it at the end of the day. And uh, we're very fortunate that uh, Amazon allowed us in to do that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a great event, and these kids like really thrived and flourished. And people like from all over the community, venture capitalists were there. Like they want to do it with their their portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. They want these kids to come in because they're they're understanding like the smart venture capitalists, you know, the smart investors, you know, that like mm-hmm. our demographic shifting. If you want to invest in some of the best talent, the best people, you have to look across a multitude of just our our, our population. That's black, Hispanic, women, mm-hmm. like Asian, like it's everywhere. You know, right. transgender, whatever. You know, like tap you, into you, every resource. You have to tap into everything. So, it's been really cool to see just uh, people in the community want to align with these interests and see these kids go as far as possible. And you said you you said that it you're fortunate that Amazon let you in. Do, would you say that being a NFL player kind of how does that help you with what you're doing? 
I, I, I pride myself on being a very intentional person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my platforms allowed us to do incredible work and to touch a lot of people. And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we're working with uh, just a black employee network with mm-hmm. Amazon, and they're really passionate about just changing community as well. And, you know, um, I'm, I don't know if I have that opportunity if I play or not, you know, but, I mean, we, we made the pitch, and they got on board, and it was great. It's great to have organizations that believe in the work, and it's becoming more and ev- more evident, you know, in a lot of these bigger corporations. Um, do you want to make a pitch for any companies right now? Who do you want to work with next? Oh, well... I'm sure the kids have some great ideas. Yeah, yeah. Once well, you get the juices. Well, I think a lot of the kids they like, they want a deeper relationship with Amazon. Like mm-hmm. they like Snapchat. They love Microsoft. Like so, like yeah. You know, when we're exposing them to things like you know some VR capabilities and they're oh my god, that must be so. You need a camera filming all of that. Right. Yeah. We're we're getting to work. We're yeah. getting to work. But I'd, <laughs> I'd love to just uh, you know we're we're open. We're open to it, and uh, especially in the Seattle area, we're staying really mm-hmm. specific to that right now. About no. We're getting ready to kind of grow south, you know, go alongside alongside the West Coast. Um, what would you say is the most re- rewarding part of that? The most rewarding part? Oh, there's, there's so much. You know, I had this one kid. I don't mean to be long-winded here, but... Oh, we're, it's a podcast. We could yeah, talk yeah, for five t- hours. So I could, I, we could make it two parts. <laughs> I'm in your world. Right, you right. Know? I had to, There was this one kid, like... They forgot about us. We're in a back room in the Microsoft building, and they've already <laughs> forgotten about us. <laughs> yeah, there was this one kid. He was, like, from a pretty rough background. And, like, he had issues going to school, would never kind of come to class. And, like, we uh, pretty much took, like, this coding curriculum to the school. And, like, he was – and I took him aside. I was just like, hey, man, like, I'm here. Just try it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like – he came, right? But what I didn't realize is, like, maybe two weeks prior, like, he had got into some fight. He had just been stabbed in the neck, you know, like. Yeah. He was, like, literally fighting for his life, you know. Like, this was his reality. And to see him sort of embrace uh, coding, um, to embrace tech, mm-hmm. that was the most rewarding experience. To to see that, like, in most traditional forms of education, he never could get in. When he wanted to, never wanted to apply himself, never mm-hmm. wanted to. Uh, really understand it, but something that was, uh, I guess, might have been so foreign to him hours before, he mm-hmm. really embraced it, and he's doing pretty well now. So, like, do you stay in touch with him? Try to, yeah. try to, yeah. We, we're we're definitely uh, good partners with the school, you know, and uh, they're doing incredible work. And how often a- are you able to talk to your partner, um, your former teammate from um, Oklahoma State? You know, um, he would probably like me to talk to him less. I I'd probably call him every day, like, figure out what's going on. And, catch you know. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, just not just catch up, but, like, you know, the work's so important for mm-hmm. our lives, you know. Like, we really believe we're going to change the generation of people. Mm-hmm. Like, we really believe that. And, like, I'm, we're always on call doing, you know, the hangouts, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like Skype, whatever. We're, we're, we're all over it because, like, it's important to us and – but, you know, I, I probably need to give him a little bit of a break. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. We, we push each other pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, going back to that young man you were talking about, and, and you've kind of hinted about this, that there's kind of this stigma around tech that you're, it's a little nerdier, a little geekier. And yeah. I think over the years, slowly but surely, because I, I, say, I, I say that I'm very in touch with my inner dork, um, 
you know, do you think that being a football player and a successful one and then going in and talking to these kids and showing like you can be multifaceted and have different interests, do you think that kind of helps with um, kind of like breaking away the stigma that surrounds tech? with yeah. young people yeah that's one of the first questions i usually get you know especially from people who want to partner with us who are like like why mm-hmm. like you're a football player mm-hmm. and i'm just like actually i'm not a football player it's what i do right right right, right. so getting people to understand this is like okay like this is not who i am right like that my purpose is so much more grander mm-hmm. than putting a helmet on and running into somebody full speed you know and when they see that, I, I think that's what really resonates with the kids. It's like, okay, yeah, I play football. It's what mm-hmm. I love to do. It's my job, mm-hmm. you know, but, I mean, I want to do it, right? It's not that I need to do it, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's this other side to it where, like, I go out and do my own deal. Like, I invest. I, I like, I'm at, I love Star Wars. I love gaming, you know, like, <laughs> I love, you know, like, I'm just, like, there's this whole other side to me, like, I was just at the, like on a Broadway show like last night. Mm-hmm. I went to go see Aladdin. Like people don't know that like I consider myself a little bit of a Renaissance man. I like mm-hmm. to do a little bit of all these really cool yep. things. Jack of all trades. Yeah, like yeah, yeah hand in like, everything. You know, but it's when they see that like they really sort of take you know come on come on board. What skills from playing football have kind of kind of translate into what you're doing in tech? Oh uh, well, I think uh, you know I, I think. You know, being in the locker room is this very special thing. You know, like, I love to say, like, when you're in a huddle right before you're mm-hmm. doing a play, like, it doesn't matter, like, what color you are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, like, where you're from, what your family's like. Like, you're all there for a common goal. And I think people in sports get that better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, if you haven't done sports, you don't understand, like, what it is to depend on somebody, like, to get their job done. Like, because if they don't get their job done, it can hurt you, it can end your career, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, I think... Understanding people is like one of the most valuable things you can ever do, mm-hmm. you know. And that's I've been very fortunate to be around a great group of teammates, a great group of guys who we've all depended on one another, and we know each other's families. Like the the climate of the locker room is like it's very it definitely outpaces society, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the best skill sets I've probably been able to understand as times went on. You know, you're still very early on in your career, and although we do know. NFL is not for long. Right. Um, do you think what you're doing now is preparing you for a life after football? Sure, sure. Yeah, but I'm living life during football too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I, when I'm work, when it's time to work, I work. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's my football is my highest priority. You know, but at, at this, um, you know, when I do have time to sort of uh, get away from it a little bit and, and tone down, like I'm definitely working on things mm-hmm. that are beneficial to my life you know mm-hmm. whether it's family or just any other sort of side projects I have too what what kinds of magazines or articles or apps are you kind of using and reading or you know maybe we can go through what are what what are you reading in your downtime to kind of like learn more about tech yeah yeah there's a so I love like there's geek wire it's a Seattle mm-hmm. publication <laughs> and tech crunch wired fast company uh, Big entrepreneur. Fan of fast company. there's this one I just seen it's like I think it's called like who said it or who said why? Like my uh-huh. wife just introduced me to it. Okay. This like this guy is it's like a very like long form reading, but like this guy's really good. He like dissected like the Tesla, you know Tesla, and mm-hmm. he talks about autonomous vehicles. He talks about like the weirdest, not the weirdest things, but like he has really good at perspective and just what's happening in just our society, and like I'm, and medium. I'm always on medium. You okay. Know? So yeah. like medium yes. is like one of 
I'm almost obsessed with. So it's like my every morning thing, I'm like drinking like some tea and reading mm-hmm. medium. That's how I like start my day. What about podcasts? <sighs> Yours. Uh, yeah, you're gonna download. I like that. Gonna download it. Um, what? How do you leverage social media um, to kind of promote your message? Yeah, you know, I I wasn't a big fan of social media for the longest, but it's been an incredible tool. I've been able to meet some awesome people. Uh, mm-hmm. Just uh, so I'm not one of those who like like to post every single day, but yeah. I'm the type that like you know little we, mystery. You got to keep them want, wanting more on the same. Nah, no, no, no. <laughs> but you have like you know, I love. LinkedIn's cool. Yeah. Again, Medium is like one of my favorite things in, in Twitter. You know, my wife's trying to get me more into Instagram. She's mm-hmm. like, the gram. Like, it's people like, she's like, Russell, people don't know, like, you do the craziest things. She's like, mm-hmm. you ran with the bulls. You do, like, you go to all these crazy muse- museums and you go to Broadway shows. She's like, people need to know that about you. Like, it's something that you really enjoy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, lately I've been trying to get on Instagram more and, and just sort of share a little bit of my life. But I'm pretty private. I'm a pretty private person. What, um, how do you, you know, first of all, though, I have to ask you about running with the Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> when did you do that? And do you, because I was looking a little bit at your Instagram. I didn't see anything. I was creeping your gram. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything about r- running with the Bulls, so I may have missed it. So fill us in on that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was, was it three years ago? I went to Spain. So it's in Pamplona. And it's yep. like, I would say like 10 to 14 days of just like madness. Like people don't sleep. There's nowhere. There's there's barely That's any hotels. That's what I've hotels. heard that people are running this this race on like no sleep or no sleep or and drunk. they're drunk. <laughs> they're drunk. They're high. Like, and it's amazing. Like it's, they're like I I had to get a hotel. It's like you people are crazy. Yeah. You know. But like there's barely any hotels. Oh right, because every it's they're all booked or yeah, yeah yeah they're all they're all booked. So people are like they're partying from like like probably three days straight, mm-hmm. no not sleeping, and it's just. It's madness. So, like, I remember just running the race, and then, like, there's, like, this little part that kind of takes you into the arena. Yeah. And, like, the bulls are chasing you, and you're getting around. And not only are the bulls chasing, people are, like, trampling each other. It's, like, so much fun, you know? Were you ever, what would you say you were more nervous, maybe your first NFL game or running with the bulls? Like, what was that feeling like being in that arena? I feel like NFL, like, prepared me to be around, like, stuck, like, <laughs> Because I feel like people have to worry about you. Right, right. I, like, I'm used to, like, blocking, like, 300-pound men and, like, yeah. them running into me. You don't see them coming, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, you get around those bulls, and they're magnificent animals. And they're mm-hmm. huge. They're huge. And, like, I remember I, like, tried to touch one. And it was – but it was uh, – <laughs> I think that probably prepared – like, football probably prepared me to be fine running with the bulls, mm-hmm. for sure. Would you say you're a little bit of an adrenaline junkie then? <sighs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> what else have you done? Oh, man. What else? Have I, I, I've, every time I try to, like, jump out of a plane, but, like, your first jump is you have to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm always over the weight capacity. <laughs> so I've been wanting to do that forever. So still looking to find uh, – this so, will be one of your tech developments after your playing days. Yeah, yeah, it's like either figuring out how to increase the weight capacity or or maybe you can be an instructor so that... <laughs> maybe. <Yeah. laughs> Go to really small people. Yeah. One day, one day. Um, and you've had quite the week in New York. Last night you saw Aladdin. What else have... You've been in New York since, what, Sunday night? And by the way, just letting everyone know, this is late June and it has been absolutely gorgeous. 80 every day. Yeah. Like, just for me, I think everyone else would like to say 70. Um, I, I'm a former tennis player. I love the heat. Give yeah, it to me all good. day, every day. So um, what else have you been able to do? 
So went to the Empire State Building. Nice. Went to the top. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, did you post a picture of that on the ground? You need to. I didn't. You got to. See, I don't think about it. Like yeah, I just like you got I do it to. for like you know myself, <laughs> you know, and like just to have with my wife. But she's mm-hmm. just like she she's trying to get me. I'm just like, hey, you should just handle it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, you should have her post for you. I get it though. I I'm like. My roommate laughs because I'll be on my phone and we'll be out, you know, having drinks or at dinner and I'll just go, ah, and she'll start laughing. She knows exactly what happens. I hate when people post on Instagram kind of boring pictures right. or they'll have like trash off to the side of their picture. Like expand, take a little pride, curate yeah, yeah. the, you know, Facebook and tw- Twitter, um, you can throw any old picture on, but like just have a little pride. But I can tell you honestly, as an Instagram connoisseur, yeah. uh, and it, an Empire State Building picture from the top, you need to be put in the gram. I got it, but like, I just love the experience. I sort yes. of like, like yes, I, I like to yes. live in the moment and mm-hmm. really sort of take it in because it's beautiful. And even it's like, the, I was at the Statue of Liberty the other day too. And like, wow, you're really killing this. Yeah, you're yeah. doing more things than someone who's lived here for a few years. <laughs> but it's like you go around and you're on this boat, and like the history is so rich, mm-hmm. you know. And you're, I, I can almost like feel like I was there, right? Like we went to Ellis Island too, and you're like you hear these stories about immigration mm-hmm. and like what it meant to the society to create a workforce, you know. Mm-hmm. And they like they have like the detention centers and like. The no lines where people had to send people back, mm-hmm. and like you literally, it was craziness back then. Yeah. And to know that like this was wasn't that long ago, right? What maybe eighty years, hundred years? Mm-hmm. You know, like America is a country of immigrants, and like this mm-hmm. is how it came to be. Right. This is the first thing they saw, like the Statue of Liberty, a gift, a gift from the French. You know, like it's mm-hmm. crazy. You know, yeah. to think about. Um, so did that. Did Ellis Island. Um, went to hang out in NFL offices a little bit, and that was nice. cool. What else Any stories from there? Shout out to Todd, Todd Liewicki. That's my guy. Okay. So he was What does like, Todd do? So Todd is like the COO of okay. the NFL. And yep. he, um, he was with Seattle. Mm-hmm. I met him when I was in Seattle. He was like the guy who, he won't say this, but he was one of the guys that created the 12th man experience. Oh, in Seattle. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he's been amazing. He went Then he went down to like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. And he sort of helped turn that franchise around. Like, I'm gonna brag on him because I think he's incredible. Yeah, and he's he's made himself available to me. Like, I went and shadowed him when I was in like four years ago. Spent some time mm-hmm. with him, and he's incredible. And he's gonna do really well with the NFL. Who would you say has been your biggest um, mentor? Because you've played under Mike Gundy. You mentioned your strength coach. You just m- mentioned Todd. Who would you pl- say is one of your biggest mentors? I have plenty. That's the yeah. thing. Is like you know I've been very fortunate that like a lot of uh, people really wanted to like, like they saw the potential and they mm-hmm. wanted to just invest their time in me. And whether it's like Tom Cable, which was like my offensive line coach, mm-hmm. who's like really just helped me out as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy named Matt McElwain, who's a venture capitalist in uh, Seattle, who's been really influential in just my uh, what I'm learning around tech. Oh man, I, I can't even name everybody. I've just met some. So many awesome people. Everybody forgive me if I don't mention you, but like, <laughs> it's been instrumental mm-hmm. in my life. You know, my obviously my family, my mother. You know, she's been amazing. Um, I love um, that. What is yeah. she, you know, what does she say about everything that you're doing? <sighs> you know, she always supports me. You know, <laughs> uh, she just, uh, you know, she she tries to tell me to slow down a little bit and just be, <laughs> be a little cautious. But 
she knows. She knows she created a monster. You know? <laughs> yeah. What is she up to now? She's uh she's trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like she's she's always an entrepreneur, she's always mm-hmm. worked tons of jobs and now she's sort of pulling back and she she want I'm telling her to kick her feet up but she won't do it, mm-hmm. you know, so but she's 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 into real estate, you know, so mm-hmm. she's looking to invest in property in, in down in Texas. Oh, nice. It's yeah. so nice that you have that mentor. Yeah. Um, it, that's both your mentor and your mom. Um, yeah. What does your wife do? I'm just curious. Uh, interesting enough, she's a real estate agent. Oh, okay, or, great. Or broker now, you know, mm-hmm. so she's going to get out. started in California. Mm-hmm. She did really well when we were in Florida, and obviously with the move, she has to, like, yeah. learn all the things out in California, too. But Right, all the different laws and stuff like yeah. that. I've yep. talked to a few. I've learned a lot about real estate since starting this podcast. Right, but she's a beast. Good, awesome. She that's is a beast. Awesome. Like, I, I, she is... I've never seen anybody get it like her. Like, yeah. (laughs) Well, and, you know, and I'm sure you inspire her. It's really refreshing to see someone figure out what they're good at, right? Isn't that, like, something all of us are kind of struggling Mm -hmm. to figure out in life is, like, we will be the best at whatever we're really passionate about. And so to see someone killing it, and that's I think that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, is to talk to people who have, found success both on and off the field because I think it's really inspiring to other people. Right. So, um, you know, for as successful as you've been, has there been maybe like something that was a setback that you learned a lot from? Yeah, I would, uh, you know, when I, I got, I think it was like after my second year, like tore my pack, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I think, uh, I, I think identity is something that a lot of people struggle with and trying to figure out who you are, like why you're here. Why are things important mm-hmm. to you? Like, you know, and uh, it, w- if, it was like the first time I've ever had a significant injury where mm-hmm. I, I literally couldn't do anything, you know, and I, I couldn't lift weights, I couldn't go work out. And I had to really figure out, like, who I was, you know, and, like, that was really just pivotal in my life. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just being changed after that. Like, I wanted to do th- things differently. I wanted to do things for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted to really see, like, what my hobbies were. You know, mm-hmm. like, what do I enjoy doing? You know, and it, like, it really just uh, changed just my perspective. What would you say, and you've acted as your own agent, which is pretty bold. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were really successful with this last deal with the Chargers. What, four years, $53 million with 25 guaranteed. What did you learn from the deal that you signed with the Broncos? Oh, uh, wow. Um you know, I think uh, the deal with the Broncos was just indicative of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, there was really no way around it. But, I mean, honestly, like, like shout out to the, my team. You know, mm-hmm. we really <laughs> I, I thought it was a good deal, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the reason I thought it was a good deal was because I saw it in two parts, right? Like, a lot of people want to look at, like, this, like, they, they deem it's, like, there's no guarantee within this 40 option. And it's, like, a really creative deal. But, like, if you look, if you look at it, like you miss this big wave of money that kind of comes in in the, fir- in the first couple of days, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that was because of you know a player deciding to represent himself mm-hmm. um, with sort of the limitations of the CBA, you mm-hmm. know, and like a lot of that contributes to that. I was coming off an injury. A lot of factors go into this, right? Right. right? Um, and uh, I just remember just like looking at you know I figured I'd be looking at a one year deal, and I was said to myself, okay, well. If I'm looking at a one-year deal, like, what, I'm, what should I be looking for? And most guys signing one-year deals, sort of in, like, this trans- transitory period, are signing, like, 2 to $3 million, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, okay, well, I want to push for more than that. 
right? And if I need incentives to get there, I'm willing to do it. Mm -hmm. So like one million was tied into like an off-season bonus, which if I just showed up, I can get that. Mm -hmm. And the rest was tied into um, uh, playtime, making the team, you mm -hmm. know? So I thought it was a very low probability that I wouldn't make the team if I'm the starting left tackle um, and that everything else would just be dependent on me playing throughout the year. So already there, I sort of beat the market in a one-year deal. So the four-year option itself would have probably had me and maybe like top six um, highest paid left tackles, which mm -hmm. I, was, I was fine with. And mm -hmm. when it declined that, uh, it just got better for me. Right. That's a really great way to look at it. If you're looking at, at it as a one-year deal, you're right. It's usually two to three mil, and you walked away with eight. So Right. <laughs> so um, it wasn't too bad. Right? Yeah, not All too right. shabby. What, what made you decide to go without an agent? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize it. this, but, like, uh, I just believe that, you know, when somebody promises a service, they're supposed to deliver on it. And I challenged people to do that, and they refused. Mm -hmm. You know, and I am a guy that if I sign something, I expect what, you're, what you told me you're going to give me. And uh, a lot of people chose not to mm -hmm. or to sort of hide behind uh, certain fees they get. Mm -hmm. knowing that they aren't incentivized to work down the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came to a consensus with my team that I can move forward and sort of do it on my own. Have you kind of mentored any guys you play with or have played with um, on kind of taking this approach? Yeah, it's funny because everybody's like re been reaching out and they're like, because a lot of guys feel the same way. Mm -hmm. They're like, my agent isn't doing enough for this. Because, right. you know, here's the sale. The sale is like, you know, you meet some player, you know, he has, like, uh, first, second round or third round potential, whatever, right? You bring, like, these pamphlets, these brochures, and you say, hey, we can promise you these PR, these, this Coca-Cola deal, this Gatorade deal, Nike deal, right? And they <laughs> – you put this in front of people, and it's like, okay, this is what I want to get. And then once you sign, once you sign it down, then they go and you get your, you negotiate your contract. You're like, okay, what happened to all these deals? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you're a, a punter, and so mm -hmm. you're not going to be on a Coca-Cola ad. But they yeah. failed to mention right, that right, before right. you signed. Or you're an offensive lineman, and like, yeah, we won't have you on these billboards in Times Square, you know. And it's like, well, that's what you kind of sold to me. Yeah. You know, and it's like these are the expectations that people have, and like when they're not met. Of, of course people feel uh, misled and deceived, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, they're like, well, my agent, you said you're going to do all this for me. Why am I not getting it? Mm -hmm. You know? And, like, because the thing, at the end of the day, like, the relationship's built on business. It's not relation, It's not built on your friendship, right? right? And that can get a little tricky sometimes. I, I know broadcasters who've had their agents at their wedding and then two years later had to, you know, if they had a certain goal, and they haven't met it, and they don't know why, and they've put in the work. And again, everything, there's a lot of luck involved. But yeah, that can be really hard. And I I think I got to commend you on just the courage to go into a meeting and advocate for yourself. Because when it comes to money, it can get really dicey. Well, I'm trying to figure out why people won't do it. Yeah, like, okay. Right. So like me, I'm not, and I like to say, I'm not anti-agent, right? Right. I know two incredible agents. 
Mm-hmm. If they take care of these guys, they're like family, like they do well, they, they work for them hard. Can, are you comfortable saying those names? No, I'm not. I, I, don't, okay. I don't even know if they want me to say their names. <laughs> okay. you know, like, but well, you're talking about them in a good light. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. it's at the end of a podcast. Who knows it? What I like to say is this a podcast. Who knows who's Well, they really okay. want to know. Like, they can reach out to me. Okay. Like, reach okay. out to me on Twitter. I'll hit you back. Okay. You know? okay. I, I, I'll oh, good. You know I'll look at you teasing people right, on right, the right. podcast. Or follow me on Instagram. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they're good. They're good to their clients. You know, they take care of them. And. They say they're going to provide something, and then they go and do it. They already structured their proper team around mm-hmm. them for these guys to have the success they're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. and like it's hard because like if you're a twenty-something-year-old kid, right? Like right. You've never you went straight from college into this. So like these are the expectations you have of people. Like you're like, well, well, he said he's going to do this, okay, but I don't know how to fire somebody, right. especially when I think they're my friend. And they're like, well, they work for you, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to tell these guys. Like, hey, they work for you. They said they're going to do this. It's on paper. Mm-hmm. You signed this. Like, you know? Well, and you, you think about all the stories you've heard and exactly what you said. You have someone going right from college to signing some pretty lucrative deals. And we think about people who end up, you know, spending a lot of their money and pers- just personal finance in general in the NFL and um, you think about all the money you can save from not having an agent, especially for the guys who, I mean, you know, hey, on paper, you're going to be fine. And it, obviously, you have a really good handle on personal finance. But you think about guys who are kind of at the bottom of the roster finding to, finding to stay on. And, like, that cut is huge and could lead to some problems down the road. Right. Well, you know, one could argue on the other side of that, uh, you know, the agency – or agents are in sort of the relationship business as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not I'm not going to say that uh, every agent or every person does not need an agent. I think there are some situations where guys do, mm-hmm. you know, because the, there are real barriers of entry and mm-hmm. communicating with people who are make the decision makers on on football clubs. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure earlier on in your career to kind of s- learn from someone and get maybe the first deal done out of the way was helpful. I, you obviously learned from it. I wouldn't say it was helpful. That mm-hmm. I, I learned actually learned from an agent, but I mm-hmm. think especially as the CBAs change right now, mm-hmm. like these first round, second round, like the contract structures are they're slotted, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're just making a couple of little minute changes. Maybe it's like a, you know a guarantee in the fourth year, or, or like an option, or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, like they're not that intricate. You know, one could have a lawyer go out and do that for them. Right. But again, it's like there's an intimidation factor there. It's like, well, what about your next deal? Well, I haven't even started playing yet. Yeah. Why not? Why can't I vet guys out in my third year? Mm-hmm. If in most cases, if you're having a good rookie year, most teams are franchising their guys, getting them in the fifth year, maybe try mm-hmm. to franchise them again into a sixth year. Mm-hmm. So guys are essentially signing longer deals than they thought they would sign, just mm-hmm. based off of, I don't know, the, I guess the, me- the mechanic or the mechanics of the structure of the CBA right now. Let's talk about this season. Um, how excited are you to play in Los Angeles? I am so amped up. I am so excited. And I'm not just saying that just because, like, they're mm-hmm. paying me. Like, <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, Coach Lynn, Anthony Lynn, like, mm-hmm. the guy has real presence about him. He has real command about just uh, what he wants and ex- his expectations of us as a team. And I believe in this guy already. We mm-hmm. haven't even put pads on. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've uh, – He's definitely 
a man I respect already, and uh, he understands the strengths of the team and what, we, what we're trying to accomplish, and I'm excited uh, to see what we can do together. And what do you think about blocking for Phil Rivers? Yeah, Phillip's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's one of the best trash talkers I've ever seen. <laughs> it just, like, rolls off of his tongue so easy. It seems like that would be a nice compliment because you are, like, just so nice. You've been just, like, the biggest smile when you're yeah. talking about helping kids out. And then, so it's going to be a nice compliment. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't feel like I have to be the one to trash talk to, like, defend him because he is, he is ruthless. <laughs> But he's, he's like, anything you can say. It's a, again, it's a podcast. Yeah. Swear. Oh, do they need the real five minutes? Okay, five minutes. Okay, so okay. Phil Rivers trash talking. I want to get this one in. Okay, Phil's like he's an amazing competitor. Okay. His football IQ is like like off the charts, and uh, you know I think he deserves he deserves a, a chance at the show. Mm -hmm. You know we got a long way to do that, but uh, we're gonna take it one game at a time. Uh, I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for him. What do you think is going to be the toughest part of the transition heading into the new year? Between the move and, you know, you acclimating to a new line? Oh, well, I just, I think I'm good. You know, like, uh, you know, the house is ready. It's, it's all mm -hmm. good. Uh, Thanks things, to your we're, wife. We're settled. <laughs> I'd like to say I helped. Why did you say yeah. that? Come on, we know what. First of all, she's a real. We know ladies she get it done, do and she's a real estate agent. You know what? She can do everything. <laughs> like I don't know how she does. She can do anything. Like I, like, I'm like, hey, we should do this. You guys are a power couple. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope so. I hope, she's definitely the better part, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's incredible. But um, you know, I think transition newness is always something that's a uh, that's a big shift in just like my life right now. And but I, I'm just gonna embrace it, you know, and. I'm going to embrace the change, embrace the change of scenery. And plus, like, I'm, like, two minutes from the beach. So, like, it won't be that bad. Yeah, not that <laughs> bad, not that bad. And I always like to end the podcast with, um, you know, kind of an open-ended, what's next for Russell Kuhn? Yeah. You know what? Like, I've really been enamored with just a sports experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's so limited. Like, you Fan, the fan experience? This, like, the, the sports experience overall. Like, the, okay. like uh, the fan sports experience, like, whatever we want to call it, like, with mm -hmm. just the implementations of VR, AR, mm -hmm. what's kind of going around. Like, I'm really interested to see, like, what's going to happen and, like, pulling people together so we can create. And it's just, like, I, you know, like, especially with ESPN, just, like, they're going through cuts, right? And you're yeah. like, why? Yeah. Like, and Disney invested in this business, and, like, they're struggling because, mm -hmm. like, I don't think they've innovated enough. Okay. You know, and it's just like, why haven't they innovated? Well, yeah, because you could, you know, I, I, and this is because I, I act like I'm so knowledgeable, but I was at a forum this morning. You could sell VR as its own vertical. If you want more games as part of, if you're paying for NBA League Pass and you want a few more games in VR, then, hey, you got to pay more. You can sell that. Maybe, and that's, maybe, you know, but like the, the, the game, like the experience or viewership, it's so stoic, right? Okay. Right, like only people I've seen that really just sort of understand storytelling and really just transform themselves. It's probably NBC Sports. I think they're good. they did a good job with the Olympics. Shout out to NBC Sports. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. but like, beyond that, like, what else? Like, mm -hmm. we can really push this thing, and like, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you so much. I Thank really you. appreciate it. I appreciate you. I have a few more interviews from the Hashtag Sports Conference coming up, so you don't want to miss those. 
As always, thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the pod. It's on SoundCloud and iTunes. And before I let you go, you know you got to keep it locked on the spun for what's trending in the sports world today.